It's valuable and it cannot be held by physical hands. It's probably worth holding on to. This is Immaterial Treasures. I'm your host, Dan P. Parker. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Immaterial Treasures. It has been quite a while. I apologize for not producing on a continual basis. Um, today, I have a special guest. Um, he is a friend. Uh, his name is Axel. I met Axel at Tyndale University. We both share a love for theology. We also share passion for soccer. Unfortunately, he's a Barcelona fan, which is terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Um, but Axel has a unique story. He just finished your PhD, didn't you? You finished your classes? Uh, my, my coursework, yeah. You finished yeah, yeah, your yeah. coursework, and now you're on research. Uh, I'm moving on to the next stage, which is comprehensive exams, just uh, reading um, for for those exams. And then after that, um, I have to write my proposal, defend my proposal, and then start writing. Amazing. And what I've been always impressed with Axel is uh, his ability to stay the course. Just watching him through the seminary and going <laughs> through all the courses, looking for um, applying for your PhD yeah, and getting yeah. accepted at Wyclef. And, yeah. and you've stayed the course, uh, even through the anxiety, the course load and all that stuff. And I'm, yeah. I'm impressed because I don't have that, <laughs> that ability to stay the course. I get so easily you distracted. Could. I could, but I don't. Um, and uh, I've been impressed by that. But for the sake of my listeners, could you give us a brief recap of how you got to Tyndale? Why theology? Mm. Did you have something else that you were interested in and somehow you you were redirected through something? What was it? How did you get to where you're at right now? Yeah. First of all, um, I so I was born in Congo DR. Um, and then I left Congo at the age of, uh, let's say, two. And then we moved to Lusaka, Zambia. That's where I grew up a little bit till I was 11 years old. And then, and then we moved uh, to Canada at that age. But uh, I grew up mostly in the East Coast, New New, New Brunswick, and uh, New Brunswick it's a very uh, it's a bilingual uh, province, and uh, and and so first we were in Saint John, New Brunswick. It's like um, in the southern part of New Brunswick, and then my family thought it was easier uh, for them to be in a French region, um, so my parents. Uh, and my family, my family members, we all moved uh, to the northern part of New Brunswick, um, Bathurst, and uh, that region—it's—it's it's an Acadian region, and uh, Acadian uh, French is very different from other uh, French. Um, How so? Uh, I mean, th- there's there's a mixture of like English and uh, French, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it, it is its own dialect, and and so I did my uh, high school um, in Bathurst. Um, and so while I was doing uh, my, my, through high school, I, uh, I had a different experience that uh, really, um, it forced me to look at life differently. And before this experience, um, life was just a party. And, um, and I didn't really take uh, the Christian faith seriously. I grew up in a Christian home, but uh, but when in my final year of high school, uh, when I lost uh, my friends, um, seven of my friends in a van accident, um, that really like it it, sh- it shook my life, like my world. Right, um, I was shook, and um, and it 
that experience really uh, challenged me to uh, look at life seriously. And so I started developing philosophical and theological questions about life itself. Uh, prior to that, um, I, was, I developed an interest in, in the sciences. And so my <laughs> and and this has to do a lot with my parents. Um, uh, they nudged me to uh, pursue uh, the sciences, mathematics, and um, I mean I liked uh, mathematics and science, but it wasn't really my passion. You know, um, it was fascinating to learn about the biology, um, the biological makeup of of a human. Um, understanding the natural world, um, that was interesting too. Uh, space, it was, those things were interesting, but it wasn't really my passion. Right. Um, and so when I lost my friends, I, I was depressed. And, uh, and in that dark moment, um, first of all, I struggled with, with stress, struggled with uh, fear of death. I had dark like dreams um i would always like dream about just dark images of, of of death and 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 i prayed to god like lord um rescue me from this uh state mind state and uh, and slowly god started to do he started doing his work in my life and uh and it was a gradual process it wasn't just a, an instant uh thing um, but I, and slowly I started giving my life to Christ and uh, and wanting to honor God in the way I lived, and uh, and my interests shifted, changed. I started uh, having um, an interest in in theology and philosophy, and so I looked up for um, Christian uh, universities in in my. Um, home province and i found one uh, it was called kingswood university and that's where i did my ba in religious studies and then after graduation before uh graduation actually i i started having really uh doubts that's when my doubts started developing and and it's it was conjointly to uh what was going on my experience with these doubts was conjoint was conjointly um, connected to um, what was going on in society at the time, uh, especially with the high rise of new atheism, uh, mm. the new atheist movement. Um, and so I started uh, reading their literature, um, you know, um, following um, them on social media, uh, listening to... Um, all different uh, YouTube uh, videos, and and it forced me as well to like uh, challenge my um, my thinking mm -hmm. about 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 the faith and and really uh, sharpening my my theological mind about the things I believed in. And so after graduation, I wanted to do further studies, and that's when I applied to uh, Tyndale. And, uh, and I did my MTS at Tyndale. But while I was at Tyndale, uh, second year, um, that's when I thought that I would lose 
my faith um, in God. Okay, hold um, that thought just for a second. Yeah. Because I want to revisit um, your loss of the seven friends. I feel like we should talk about that a little bit more before we get into just the anxiety of, mm. you know, faith and having doubts and how you dealt with that. Um, I guess my question for you with regards to your friends that you lost is what kind of, you said when you lost those friends, you had really big philosophical thoughts about life and the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of specific questions were you asking and who were you asking those questions to? Were you asking it just kind of stating it out loud or were you directing it um, directly to the God that your mom and dad believed in or mm-hmm. Where where did the question arise and where do they go? And more importantly, talk, can you talk about the accident? What happened? Because mm-hmm, some mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. listeners might be in the dark. Like what happened? How right. close were these friends? Where, where, what were you left with? Like how many friends were you left with after that? Right, right. Uh, I mean, so th- these friends, um, I they were, I I developed a friendship with them through sports. So I did, I played soccer, um, most of them played soccer, but also outside sports as well, just at school, socializing with them. And they were uh, part of a basketball team, uh, yeah. BHS. So I went to BHS, um, Bathurst High School. And uh, and so they were part of a Bathurst High, high School uh, basketball team. And and this was during um, the second semester of, the, of grade 12. And uh, it was at the beginning of January, um, second week of January. um, They had a a basketball tournament in Moncton. And Moncton was like two hours away from Bathurst. And and so after they finished playing their uh, uh, game, um, they uh, wanted to uh, go back to to return to to Bathurst. And on their way to Bathurst, um, a storm started, a snowstorm started. And uh, and few minutes away um, from Bathurst, they hit black ice, and yes. uh, and so the van started swerving to the left lane. And as it, as it was swerving to the left lane, a big transporter from um, uh, the other side just hit them. And uh, <sighs> um, yeah, um, when I heard the news, I heard the news um, in the morning when I woke up. And actually, I was at my cousin's place when I heard he woke me up. Um, I was sleeping. He wakes me up. Axel, Axel, um, have you heard the news? I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm just waking up right now. And he, and he's like, yeah, um, the bas, uh, the the BHS basketball team uh, had an accident last night, and uh, seven people um, didn't make it. Um, and so, man, that that hit me hard. Um, and so. The grieving process was really painful. Um, I was, I was good with these with these guys. Um, we we played soccer. We went to parties together. Uh, we hung out during lunch at school. Uh, we were in most of uh, we shared uh, classes together as well. Um, so uh, we were good boys, and um, yeah. Um, so when when that happened. Uh, the questions that I started having were instead of having scientific questions or biological questions about okay, um, understanding the properties of of uh, of trees, um, 
uh, understanding the, the, the biological components of the human uh, body. Um, I started having questions about life itself. What's the meaning of life? Uh, what is life? Um, what is life after death? Um, mm. um, why death? Um, um, and why would God allow such a uh, tragedy happen? And, uh, and if God is all powerful, like, why does he allow, like, these um, instances of, um, of tragedy um, in life? Um, so those thoughts, um, questions were playing in my, uh, in my head. Um, and I was really asking all these questions uh, in, in a form of prayer to God, actually, and uh and I didn't really, I mean, I had several conversations with, with people about it, but not in depth enough. So that is why I wanted to, uh, you know, um, go to a university that had a program that would uh, help me with these questions, uh, help me to answer uh, these questions, help me to wrestle with these questions, help me to find solutions uh, if they are any solutions uh, mm -hmm. to these questions um, because there are long-standing questions uh, really um, within the, the Christian tradition. I mean, theodicy keeps coming up in every generation, you right. know. Um, why does a good God allow, you know, suffering in the world to, to occur? Um, evil, even. Why does he permit evil? Um, questions like that. Um, yeah, uh, and understanding really the theology of death and trying to have a proper understanding of death because prior to uh, that encounter, for me, what life was, life was just a party. Like, it was it was fun. Like, I didn't have a serious outlook towards mm -hmm. life. Um, and, I mean, I knew that, the, the, you know, uh, like, one day um, I will seize to exist, uh, that I would die one day, but it's not a thought that you all you entertain when you are young mm -hmm. or think about when you are young. I mean, you you watch movies of people dying in movies, but it's not the same as like experiencing in re experiencing it in real life or or experiencing or grieving the loss of a friend. Um, yeah, it's it's not the same. And so when you grieve uh, the loss of your friend for the very first time, because that was the first time I actually lost someone, and uh, I didn't know how to grieve well. Uh, I didn't know how to, yeah, to wrestle, to deal with this um, properly. Um, and so, yeah, and through that experience, I, I realized that I, I did have a fear of death. As a person myself, I struggle with that fear, fear of death. Um, I love life too much. That's why. Um, so, I mean, yeah. So along that line, I'd like to, and this, I have the privilege of looking at you and your face as you describe this, and it seems like it's something weighty. It is, um, it is. And something that really had an impact on your life. Um, do you think we as humans, or even more specifically young people, yeah, need to go through something tough to ask those questions, or do you think a young person can get to those questions without tragedy? 
without some kind of loss. Yeah. I mean, in your case, it, it, as tragic as it was, it led you to where you're at now, what you're studying and how much time you've put into it and what you've reaped out of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have a different, uh, perspective on it. I mean, um, I try not to look at the, um, uh, the utility um, of that experience um, and try to see uh, the utility of it in relation to what where I stand now. Um, but I, I think that one can have uh, philosophical and theological questions, the same questions that I had without um, enduring what I experienced, um, without losing a friend. I mean, one can develop interest it's like okay i i I want to know more about this thing you know uh, life after death what does that mean um so one could research um if one is interested in um let's say um theodicy um one can you know have those interests um but we're uh, us as human beings we we tend to research things that we have experienced and most of our interests are so shaped by our experiences um and so there's that contextual um element to um our interests our passions because all of these things are really formed by our experiences and so if you have further uh if you have questions or like thoughts about certain things it's because you had a particular um experience or maybe uh an inclination towards those things or maybe through friends you um those friends shaped and uh gave birth to the very um interest that you have and so a lot of these things are really uh, shaped by our, our experiences. And so, yeah, um, in light, in the event of the death of my uh, friends, I I had those um, uh, interests and, and passions and I wanted to learn more about God, um, learn more about, you know, um, theology, um, and how to uh, grieve well and how to also help other people um, who are experiencing or who will experience what I experienced. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So now you've gone, you've gotten to Tyndale now. You're studying theology and you're wrestling with your faith, shaping, getting some form of like foundations laid down for what you believe, why you believe it. Can you talk about what that experience was like and kind of you were going into it earlier? Yeah. What were the doubts and where did the doubts arise from and how did you deal with them? Yeah. It's interesting, you know, uh, when people, um, people tend to think that uh, you can't struggle with your faith, faith in seminary. Right. right. <laughs> it's not true. You, um, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, common. Um, uh, people do, go through those moments of uh, struggle and doubt. Um, for me, it had to do with um, Genesis 1. It was a battle between, okay, do I you know, um, accept 
the creation account in Genesis 1 or uh, evolution. Um, uh, the, the other thing was, um, let's look at uh, sanctification. For example, sanctification is the understanding that uh, um, the old man, um, so the old ways, the old sinful th- uh, ways uh, of your past are done, and now you are experiencing a new life in Christ and you're being purified mm-hmm. um, uh, through uh, your relationship w- w- with Christ. And so my understanding of sanctification was that, um, or even my reading of uh, of the Bible is that there is this new um, state, this new life that you going through and I experiencing in Christ and it has to be radically new and and it can't be tainted uh by 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 sin um and so if you do end up struggling th- then you would have to uh, question the the veracity of of that newness uh that you experience in Christ and so my inability to um uphold or to maintain that newness of of, uh, of life in Christ it made me question whether um, whether one can truly live the Christian life because the Christian life logically speaking you know um, it's it's characterized by that how is it that as a Christian you can still do what you don't want to do and what you want to do you don't do right and so it's that struggle that also um, <laughs> made me also uh, have my doubts whether sanctification is possible. Right, right. The sanctification piece, whether it's possible, and then um, whether uh, choosing um, the creation account in Genesis or uh, evolution. And, uh, and the other thing is objective truth. You and I, we exist in a postmodern world right and so in this pluralistic world of ours um how do you arrive at truth Mm. objective truth and and is there objective truth and if objective truth exists how can you objectively argue for it Mm -hmm. in your in your conversation with other people that was the other um, problem uh, I uh, I wrestled with, and so in hindsight, it was more so a struggle of uh, framework, um, and so I really had a, a robust understanding of um, objective truth that it is possible one can reason to it, and that one can reasonably prove God's existence in conversing with other people. Um, people of uh, other faiths, um, atheists, uh, agnostics. Uh, But then that struggle really uh, made me doubt, have skepticism about about that. Um, And so I was very modernist in my understanding of uh, the faith, in my understanding of reasoning uh, to truth, uh, in my understanding... Uh, of of uh, apologetics, if you will, trying to uh, prove uh, God's existence to other people. Um, and so I kind of uh, renounced um, that modernist uh, framework and then found um, a new framework that really uh, resonated 
with the thoughts that started developing as I was struggling with my faith. And this new uh, framework was, I, I tend to have existential tendencies um, and postmodern tendencies. I try to, I question whether um, objective truth can be objectively uh, proved or argued. I tend to uh, question those. I mean, that notion. Um, also, uh, the other thing is that I tend to begin from the from the human person rather than from, like, Plato, uh, from the world of forms. So... Now, what would it... I, I, I said too much, so... No, 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 <laughs> you, it's fine. I have, it's fine. To un- I, I have to I'm, untangle. We're going to break it up a bit. We're going to untangle it a bit. Now, you said you had to renounce that, right? That uh, postmodern, atheistic, agnostic way of understanding arriving at truth and i think for for our listeners we need to uh kind of let's define some of these terms um so by postmodern, you mean so i had to renounce the 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 modernist uh framework so so in modernity uh, during the enlightenment you had uh rationalists like like descartes yeah yeah um descartes and, and and these people um and so that period philosophically um, tends to have a high regard of, uh, of human reason. I reason. mean, n- not all of them right. uh, had, you know, confidence in human reason. But it posited that uh, you can have reason as the foundation of, um, uh, let's say, your uh, philosophical system mm-hmm. or like theological system that, there is such thing as universal uh, reason, objective reason, that you can can clearly, objectively um, approve. For example, also like apologetics uh, is developed in that period as well, that you can objectively prove uh, God's existence as well. Um, and so it's this confidence in, in reason that I renounced. Right. Postmodernism tends to uh, re- reject that notion. Right, that you that can that reason, reason is or logic is the key to reality. Right, right. Um, and so, um, yeah. So postmodernism is purely based on relativism. It, no, um, it's and a, a component of it is so by relativism, I because it, it, postmodernism is trying to reject objective truth that there is a truth that we that we all fit into. No, uh, postmodernism tries to address that the objective reason that you're arguing for, it's not pure reason because it's conditioned by your context. Okay. Okay. So we're effective. So, 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 um, you, you can't say that, uh, objectively, uh, true that all humans have the capacity to exercise their will in such a way that, that the good of the neighbor will be accounted for because you, you just can't assume that, that every individual in the world will have pure intentions to, um, (laughs) care for other people. So yeah, you, you tend to have all these, uh, statements made, uh, for, uh, universality and, uh, and postmodern, uh, comes along and says, "Whoa, hold on! For reason is far more shaped um, by 
context and your own interests than you want to admit. Which kind of brings it back to it's relative. It has some form of rel- relativism in it. So, for example, correct me if I'm wrong. If I live in this part of the world, mm-hmm. um, especially the Western world, most of my ideas are going to be shaped by whether I want to acknowledge it or not, by some post-Christian idea. Right. 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 So the way in which I come into reason, as opposed to somebody that's in another part of the world, mm-hmm. right, who may be predominantly raised in that Muslim world, mm-hmm. would be would be different. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so postmodernism correct me if I'm wrong, would say that, okay, I can't say that what I've reached based on my Western context and my, you know... Um, it's the standard. It's you the standard. You can't, I can't say I that. I cannot say that. No. Um, because then that's to say that those people in that part of the world are right. wrong. Right. Right? Oh, uh, no. The, I mean, the, 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 and, and, and that's the thing. It's like each person has a perspective on life. And so mm. you you can't even say that they're wrong. W- I mean, what would legitimate your your saying that they're wrong, right? right. We go back to the modernity. Right. That's the thing. Um, and so... Uh, well, I, you would say they're wrong in the sense that it does not... It's not in line with what you believe or how you view the world. It's, not your your ex- it's just not your experience. You wouldn't say... Right. You wouldn't use the word wrong. You wouldn't use those terms. Um, so I am heavily influenced by Kierkegaard. Right. So I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, Kierkegaard did not believe that there is such thing as objective truth. It's like, where is this objective truth like in the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it fl- is it floating up there? Is it like in, in Plato's world of forms uh, where like, you know, th- this, this uh, universal uh, realm where all these, uh, you know, ideas um, are being rep- represented uh, by other lower forms in um, in the universe, and so I, I was, I found Kierkegaard's uh, understanding of truth as subjectivity very attractive, in the sense is that so Kierkegaard does not think that objective truth doesn't exist he, ju- he just thinks that objective truth just doesn't have human significance for example like i can learn the properties of of a tree um and understand the scientific makeup of the tree but what significance does that have for my understanding or for my relationship with you or my relationship with god mm-hmm. or um my under or my understanding uh, of human flourishment or my own mm. human flourishment. I mean, what significance does... I mean, he does believe in mathematical uh, truth and scientific uh, truth, but they just don't have human significance. Kierkegaard's understanding of truth as subjectivity, it, it's people misunderstand it. Um, they have caricatures of it. it. It He's not saying that truth is subjective. He says that Truth is experienced. It's something that one has to be, one has to experience. And so truth, it's understood uh, in one's commitment to whatever you you are passionate about. And so, and, and the other thing is that truth is Jesus Christ himself, theologically right. speaking, uh, for Kierkegaard, because he's a, a Christian existentialist. And so 
um, yeah, for him, truth is the uncertain thing to which one is committed to. Truth, repeat that. Truth is the most uncertain thing to which one appropriated pers- in one's. Um, I don't. I'm trying to avoid um, technical languages, but like it's some. It's the objective uncertainty. I'm. I'm gonna use the the technical words. Truth is the objective uncertainty held fast in one's one, uh, one's appropriation of one's inwardness, and so uh, what he means by that is that, um, for example, let's take God, right? God for him. Um, you you can't prove God's existence objectively, but God is truth to you, and you're committed to that truth. And God is the most passionate thing that you're passionate about. Okay, I get it. I so it's 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 getting technical, and, so, and, and, so, I, and I don't so I want to reel it in. Truth, truth, it's it's something it's something that you experience. It's not something that you reason yourself to. Right, and that in itself seems a little bit like it's missing something. Okay, to say that it's it's just merely something you experience and not something you ration yourself to. Um, and I know that I've I've known people who are Kierkegaard you know, uh, enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah. However, um, I think there's some element of truth to that. Yeah. But we also know even in, in, in Paul, in Pauline theology, yeah. Romans one and two, mm-hmm. there is an explicit, um, message by Paul, which says that the creation itself mm-hmm. has made its, its, its evidence mm-hmm. of our creator. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's not merely that we don't have enough evidence to believe. It's not that it's it's not enough to get us to our Creator, mm-hmm. but we are so broken and so fallen mm-hmm. that we reject that and say that it doesn't exist, or we can't see Him, or we can't know that. Right. So right. So this rationaling of like this rationality of saying that okay, we can't reason ourselves to our Maker, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is it really a statement of truth? Or is it really a result of maybe the fall? That maybe we can't get to God in our mind because there is an element of suppression that happens because of the fall to get so that we can get to God. And and it's and it's not merely that God has to be believed through reason, because that's one element, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, faith has reason, but reason is not what validates faith. No. Does that make sense? No. no, no. So there is a huge component of, yes, I believe God. I have reasons for why I believe God, but I've yeah. also experienced God, which I cannot in a very uh, material way give to you or present in a physical form to make you believe what I'm telling you. Right. Right. And, right. Right. Uh, I, I, I totally um, understand uh, what you're saying about, about um, nature reflecting the glory of God, but that's within one's, um, it's already, it's already couched in one's um, covenantal relationship with God. Um, the 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 argument um, by uh, that, what do you mean? Like it's already couched within the one's covenantal relationship with God. So are you saying that it is something that is true for somebody that already believes in God? No, you only under you only know that uh, that creation um, reflects uh, uh, God's uh, glory um, or points to God in the event of re- revelation because of revelation so revelation precedes one's 
uh, exercise of reason to uh, believe that. Exactly. What, but once, but, but what, uh, I, what I'm asking is that, is that what Paul is saying? No. Yes. So revelation in itself, the the, uh, the, 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 the the most basic foundation for revelation is the fact that things exist. Right. So but, that's the but, first level of revelation. Right. That we have a world that but exists. But creation, it's, it's, it's created through Jesus Christ, theologically speaking, right? That's an, that's an, an another form of revelation we reach in the New Testament Absolutely. where Christ it, comes, but, right? But, but, but we're there dealing is a, with there is a foundation. Here. Yeah, but there's a foundational revelation of creation in itself, which God gave man. Oh, absolutely. Outside of what we get in the New Testament of as Christ as the head of creation. Right. Right. But but the but the notion of exercising one's uh reason or reasoning your way to God, it's that argument, um, it's the exercise of of reason um apart from revelation. That's what the argument is, is is trying to make. And my thing is like, no, you can't reason your way to God uh, apart from revelation. Like you only know God through revelation. And I agree. I, I, I do agree with that. However, is that to say that people that don't have faith, right? Yeah. Have no evidence of revelation and creation because then they have something to say. They have something to accuse God of and when they stand before him. I didn't know I had no revelation. And that's what I'm saying is that at the very foundation, whether you're not born in a Christian home, Paul seems to be suggesting in that chapter yeah. that there is a basic understanding, a basic knowledge. There's a basic knowledge. A basic revelation of God that we suppress in unrighteousness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I do agree with you that, okay, in one sense, I agree we can't reason our way to God. Apart from revelation, No. Apart from revelation. But but, we can, and, and the other thing is like we've never existed in such a context to begin with. And so you can't say that you can have this pure experiment of like purely like de detached from, um, you know, a revelation and be in this like revelation free. Here's uh, my qualms realm. with this is that I would believe that. Right. Yeah. If we. If every human being started in an empty room with no with nothing, no forms, nothing, no objects, nothing, just yeah. an empty room. Yeah. Right. And then we got into this conversation about let's try and reason our way to God. Yeah. I would agree with that notion. However, human beings don't come. We don't we don't start in an empty room. Mm -hmm. In fact, even if we were in an empty room, we, we could even almost ask the question, how did we get here? Whose room is this? You know, that, what's, that what's space? True. What's all these things? That is true. But what I'm saying is reason why I think yes uh, it's is that we don't come into the world without traces intelligent design and things that should make us quite reason why does this exist and even like you you talked about a tree we can uh, Kierkegaard's notion of tree like if we can see the scientific well, it's properties not his tree. it's not his well, notion but yeah go, go, go ahead um, the, a tree has properties that we can see and um, scientifically we can understand the tree what it does for the environment and all those things, but we can't, that tree can't really give us reasons to how to treat our neighbor. Yeah. That's essentially the, the, the same. Well, the, that's like a guardian. Yeah, notion. Right. You, yeah. you can't, it does. So, but if we look, if we, if we get into this, why is that tree there? First of all, we know that that tree is good for our environment. Sure. Right. It's good for our air. Correct. Yeah. There are reasons. Okay. Like now who made it to function that way? That's another question we can make. Now, mm -hmm. me cutting this tree down yeah. is not only a deficiency to myself, but it's also to my neighbor. 
It has implications on not just me. I'm not in this world by myself. I don't occupy this space by myself. Well, that that is true. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and if we want to get into even more theological, we know that the tree is reflective of its creator, right? So we can worship God. But, but for how, that. how do you know that knowledge? That's, that's, that's a, the thing. But that's that's special revelation. It's supplied to you exactly even from, from the faith, appeal to, from faith from faith. I'm making that jump because of faith. Absolutely. But I'm saying if 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 I'm if I don't have faith, right? I could still ask, how did this tree get here? What like who cuz I know I didn't put it there. I know my neighbor didn't put it there. Right. I know it has implications on my world on the uh, on the very ecosystem. Right. So I know that there's intelligence behind it. Why is it made this way? But 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 that's the thing is like it's like there are other people who question whether there is intelligence at all. Whether um I mean it appears they would say it appears to have intelligence, but like wh- why would one even assume that it is a god? It is God who created it. And here's a, here's an interesting thing. Eric right? McTast- McTaxas wrote an article. Uh, I don't know how long ago, but now, but there has been more of an increasing growth in scientists, not necessarily saying that creation has its handiwork by God in the Bible, right, right. but saying that there is intelligent, most scientists that don't even believe in God agree right. that there is intelligent design. Yeah. Not, they don't necessarily jump to the fact that it is the God of the Bible, yeah. but they do agree that there's intelligent design. Yeah. Most of like it's becoming less and less that more people would say that there is, there's no mind behind this. Absolutely. I, right? I mean, I, I agree with, with, with that. I, there's intelligence, uh, like, Everywhere in creation, when you see in creation, I totally uh, believe in that notion of intelligent design. I def- and I don't. Totally, doubt, I'm not totally, saying that you doubt no, that. We're just, oh, just for the sake of conversation. Oh, absolutely, everybody knows. I'm, 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 I'm loving this conversation. And uh, the the thing is, is that uh, first of all, when I when I say that it's difficult to objectively prove God's existence uh, through reason, I mean, particularly the Christian God. I mean, just just take reason. How can you arrive, by using reason, arrive to an understanding of uh, God being made, uh, being one and yet three at the same time? Or also, how can you arrive at, a, at an understanding uh, that this particular God can endure suffering and can die and can rise again from the dead? I mean, all of these things are s- supplied by revelation. And so by sure. using reason alone, you can't arrive to such an understanding. Sure. And so that's my 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 uh qualm. With, and and, with, was, with, and that's with, that was uh, a struggle reason. with for, for you in, in seminary. These are some of the things you struggled with. Yeah. It's like I mean, I totally believe that I so could prove was, was the struggle objectively these things to other people. That's what I thought. Okay, then, yeah, yeah. So is, is like, that your struggle? Is, is it is it like an internal, like, I don't believe this for myself? Or how do I even communicate this to somebody else? I don't know how I would. Exactly, exactly. Because in my, com- um, in my conversations with uh, non-Christians, it's like my Christ- non-Christian friends, it's like when they have these questions, well, it's like, how can God be three and yet one? It just doesn't make sense. It's like... Um, and uh, and for example, like creation, how old is the world? It's like, mm-hmm. is it six thousand? Is it thirteen million years mm-hmm, old? Mm-hmm. Um, Where did like, you reach on that? It's like, <laughs> I'm really interested. Are you uh, younger or I'm older? S- I'm still. You're still struggling. 
I'm still unsure. Still unsure. Um, now, do you think that question itself has ramifications in theology? I, I thought it had ramifications for my faith in God, and now I don't necessarily think so. Okay. Um, whether God chose to bring the world through evolution, um, so be it. Whether he created the world in six days, so be it. But I, it, it doesn't um, have ramifications for my faith in God. So it's, uh, I understand that. The way you phrased it, it doesn't have ramifications for you, for your faith in God. But my question is this, and I can agree with that. Yeah, it yeah. probably it shouldn't have ramifications for your faith in God. Because um, I was in- I introduced... I mean, evolution was, does not disprove God's existence. Yeah, it's no threat to God. So it, I, no. I was introduced to theistic evolution when I was in, uh, at Trinity. Sure, and it was interesting. I okay, I, I thought about it. and I was like, okay, okay, I can I can have room for that. But then, I think it's not that I have problems with belief in God because of the introduction of this new thought um, for me at that moment, but it's more so me trying to reconcile Adam, man. When where does Adam fit in the, in theistic evolution? That yeah. was that was my and and the reason why it it, it seemed it, it might seem arbitrary, but. The reason why it was important to me is because Paul seems to make a, a huge case about a first Adam and a second Adam, right? Yeah. So it's it, and the first Adam seems to be it seems to be that all of humanity is tied to this one Adam, not this on one. multiple multiple cases of Adams. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like but like a, a, mm-hmm. a man mm-hmm. from which subsequently one all of, specific yeah man. one specific man through it. So for me, I started asking these questions because I wanted to take Paul seriously. Okay. Right? Because okay. Paul should be taken seriously. Absolutely. Right? So then if I'm taking Paul seriously and I'm taking Genesis seriously, that really makes me makes my mind go, whoa. You know, like, okay, what are we doing here? So the idea that God would bring about creation uh-huh. through evolution, uh-huh. I'm fine with that. I it's yeah. no it's no qualms. But okay, where, where was man? Was Adam through the process of evolution? And not only that, um, if if uh man came afterwards, right? What about the animals? Yeah. What about all these things? And when was the first form of death? Yeah. Well, you know, where, where do we, it's, it opens up this huge, <laughs> huge case for like, you know, conversation. So for me. And, and what, what do you do with the soul? Like what, exactly. when, when was the soul, was the soul as it were injected into, uh, was, the, the, the we, homo sapien or if you will, uh, you know, I, I, here you see see where all the questions come. It just it just opens up more and more and more. But what I do find interesting is that you did make a good point in saying that what understanding point? the Trinity, oh yeah, understanding certain things about the God of this of the Bible, yeah, really how, how intellectually can sometimes cannot be perfectly explained. How can you objectively prove or objectively the existence what, of that God to somebody else? But this is what I find interesting about it all. And I may be just jumping ahead unnecessarily uh-huh. because perhaps I don't, I mean, I do, I, I try to think in philosophical ways, but my problem is I- You're so, very philosophical. So my thing is <laughs> growing up for me, my framework, growing up in a house where I was Christian and all that, I never struggled with the, with, with the belief in God, never struggled with it, mm-hmm. never struggled. Even when I was, you know, in university and I was int- being introduced with, never struggled with whether I should believe the Bible or not. Okay. The only time, it's going to be funny, the only time I ever struggled with the, I don't even say the existence of God, whether I should believe in God, <laughs> uh-huh. was when I was blatantly in sin. Okay. 
Okay. Right? Okay. So when I was completely contradicting things in the Bible. Would you say... Which goes back to your sanctification case. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm not living like how a Christian should live. Right. I'm... In, in fact, I'm finding that desires in my heart are completely, you know, um, at odds with what the Bible says a Christian should have in their heart. So then I was like, okay, it's not that I don't believe in God. I just don't believe I'm cut out for this. And yeah. for that, I want to excuse God and live my own way. Right. 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 But Absolutely. Then you have, growing up in a, in a home, you have the framework like, okay, there's perils to that. Yeah. Living your own way. Absolutely. Even if even if you don't want to put God in the picture, if you live in a way that is autonomous and is purely based on what you deem is right and wrong, and not yes. even um, um, bending to societal rules, right? It's not going to end you in anything good, right? Nope. Nope. So, so going back to 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 these kind of questions, the sanctification questions, because I I had these, but my my qualms more so with sanctification, not so much with creation and all these other things, right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting you brought those things because those things can be contentions for people's faith. Mm. You know, okay, I profess faith in Christ, but my life is not reflective of what this new life the, the Bible suggests I should have. Yeah. Right? Also, you know, objectively, I can't prove God to my neighbor through reason, mm-hmm. like, like you're espousing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I know that Paul even says uh, in First Corinthians that, the 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 things of the spirit are spiritually appraised, right. right? So when we talk about the Trinity and all those things, it's not that we can never talk to an unbeliever about these deeply theological Absol- spiritual you can. things. You can, we can, but for them to understand, <laughs> it takes the Holy Spirit. It's spiritually Re- appraised. Yeah, it yeah. takes revelation. What yeah, you were yeah. saying, absolutely right. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that we can't talk about it. You can no, no, no. Th- that's that's not what or I was reason, trying to say. Or use you, reasonable you, language you, or intellectual you, language. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 can use language. Um, you can talk about it, and you can try to find examples in the world. I mean, theologians have come up with different, uh, um, you know, examples. Uh, they will use different examples uh, for um, the doctrine of the Trinity and and try to illustrate it, uh, illustrate the the truthfulness of it. But at the end of the day, Augustine says, like, you know, these examples that they, they just they don't ultimately um, work. Fair. I mean, I mean, the, they help, but like, for example, take the the the, the example of like uh, the sun um, emitting it's uh rays um and then you feeling the heat it's mm. like the you feeling the heat of it it's like the holy spirit and then the rays it's like the the sun and then the sun itself um it's the father but like how does that example really perfectly like account for the truthfulness of the trinity um in a lot of ways it just doesn't be because because all these things uh the heat and the the ray uh the sun ray of the sun or the sunlight and then the sun itself if you understand it properly it's you're just dealing with one phenomenon mm-hmm. right and uh and all these different things it's, it's not like they're distinct um from each other i mean you know and so they're still part of um the sun and so if you take that example um logically speaking you would 
develop a modalistic understanding of the Trinity. It's just the Father, and then yet the Father appears as the Son um, economically and then appears as the Spirit, right? It's just one thing going through different modes. Right. And that's And correct. so, w- 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 yeah, w- with the sun, it's like you're feeling, you see the sun ray, and then and then you're feeling the heat. It's like, well, how do you differentiate all these things? And how how do you put them all together? I mean, are you dealing with three different things? You, you're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my question, how have you reconciled these doubts? And do you find... Did you kind of come to terms with your doubts or do some of these doubts still persist, but yet it's not it's not a threat to your love for God or your desire to serve him? And when you're teaching the Bible, because I know you do it sometimes, yeah. um, if you could ever come to these cases, how would you deal with somebody dealing with that? Like, what's, what's your advice to somebody that may be struggling with these kind of uh, large questions and know, or asking questions like, should I even still believe is it worth believing like yeah. can i is god worth believing if i can't prove him through through reason or if i can't understand certain things that you know come up or yeah. even if i'm having a terrible experience as a, as as a christian like walking in a way that is holy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pleasing to god and yet i'm i'm saying that i'm a christian yeah, I mean, that. I don't want to say that people have to a- adopt a Kierkegaardian uh, framework, you know, to like put all these things together and try to resolve them. Um, it just depends on like what um, framework you want to adopt. Um, and but um, for me, how I've reconciled reconciled all these things is that truth for me, truth, um, it's not something that's floating out there. It's not even a thing. I mean, even like um, love is is not a thing that you see in the world. I mean, you see people loving each other, mm-hmm. but you don't s- you don't see the essence of love like out there in, mm-hmm. in, in in the world. And so it's the same way. Like truth, it's not something that you just see out there. Um, but one knows God. I would say through uh, one's commitment to God. That is to say that when it, when we're dealing with issues of, of of God um like you can't know God from a distance mm. from a distance. You have to exist in some sort of relationship with Yahweh in order to know who Yahweh is. Mm. So Abraham had to you know know God through uh his relationship with with, with with him and so for an outsider that outsider cannot arrive at the experiential relational understanding of god that i have from a distance through rational thinking he can only understand or know relationally yahweh through his commitment to him and it's only through commitment that i know yahweh i know god um, I cannot say that, oh, um, I'm going to investigate rationally um, different other religions and, uh, and then Yahweh and then, and then my rational understanding or oh, my knowledge about Yahweh um, can be equated to like me knowing 
him. Um, even theology, theology is proximate. I mean, it's um, it's information. It is knowledge about something, which is about God. But you can't confuse um, theology with faith, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same thing. That outsider knowing about God, his knowledge about God cannot be equated to faith. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not faith. And so um, when it comes to faith, like um, there's that notion of commitment to faith, trust um, in God. And so um, for me, that was revolutionary because I now understood that faith has its own logic. Mm, mm. It's good. Right? It's good, yeah. It has its own logic. Yeah. And my experience o- of God, no matter what doubts or questions the outsider throws uh, at me, I can stand firm in my faith in God because of what God has shown me, what God has done in my life, and uh, and the transformation that. Uh, he has effected in m- me knowing him, mm. right? And so my knowledge of God, it's not arrived through, you know, um, objective uh, reasoning, but it's through my commitment to him that I know Christ, mm. right? And um, and so that that's how um, I kind of resolved that, that tension that I had. It's like, because because it was a problem for me if if I can't objectively you know prove God's existence why should I even believe in, th- in this faith that I, I have mm-hmm. right um, and and the other thing is that um, yeah when it comes to to Genesis uh, or evolution I mean I also have my own qualms with evolution I I question whether there's truthfulness to the tree of life um, that they talk about like life emerged from this one single uh, cell or whatever right. randomly um, and that life evolves through a random process. I'm like, no, right, right. <laughs> it did not <laughs> evolve randomly, right? Uh, there's some sort of intelligence to uh, nature, right? Like you can't say, you can't possibly say that what we see in the world, the complexity in everything, in organisms, you know, uh, everywhere in the world just arrived through a random process. It's like, who was guiding that random process, right? Like, no. And if it was random, how would we ever come to know that? (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but there's intelligence to it, and and it it points to... um, some sort of like intelligent design, even though we have different understandings of who that intelligent designer is, right? right? right. Yeah, that that's that's where I'm at now with that, um, and and so I'm, you know, like whether through creation or like, or evolution, those issues really uh, they don't carry that much weight anymore for me. It's like, so what's next for you? Um, after, what 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 are you finishing up as far as your PhD is, and what's next after that? After the PhD, um, man, I am passionate about 
the church, church unity. Um, I'll probably uh, do some sort of a project on um, yeah church unity because I'm very grieved by the division. Um, what else? Possibly teach somewhere, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, yeah, so I'm passionate about Reformation theology, specifically looking at John Calvin. Mm. <laughs> I like John Calvin. <laughs> you didn't at one point. You didn't at one point. I remember we had conversations about Calvin and you. Man, and then you he, told me you were doing intelligent. You're doing your work. Um, on. Yeah, I like him. Um, although I have my own disagreements uh, with him, uh, which is healthy. Here and there. Which is healthy. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's healthy. But I definitely see him as a giant and you cannot understand protestantism without calvin Mm. (laughs) he's everywhere Mm -hmm. he's everywhere um so yeah um so i'll probably do more uh research in calvin studies uh for sure um really developing ecclesiology um, and uh and my dissertation is um in the area of uh, sacramental theology. So I'll be looking at uh, how... So by sacramental theology, you mean uh, for those that well, don't know? Y- yeah, uh, looking at uh, the sacraments within the Protestant tradition, the Lord's Supper, baptism. But specifically, I'll be looking at the Lord's Supper and how the, Lord, the Lord's Supper, or oh, another term, Eucharist, how the Eucharist informs one's obedience to God. Um, so that's the working title right now it may change who knows Mm. but i'm still thinking about that as well so a lot of these things are not yet finalized um still thinking through or even what we talked about you know still working through them yeah and i commend you on it and wish you all the best i know we're gonna i'm gonna have you on here again at some point (laughs) i hope that was productive yeah i know i'm sure i hope people enjoy the conversation and yeah, there's definitely more to come. Thanks for coming out, man. No worries.